Chapter Number Sixteen of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Shows a girl's bondage. Walter Murray had chosen politics as a profession long ago, even when he was an undergraduate. He had already eaten his dinners in London and had been called to the bar as his first step towards a political career. He had a relative in the Foreign Office while his uncle had held an under-secretaryship in the late government. Therefore, he had influence, and hoped by its aid to secure some safe seat. Already he had studied both home and foreign affairs very closely, and had on two occasions written articles in the Times upon that most vexed and difficult question, the pacification of Macedonia. He was a very fair speaker, too, and on several occasions he had seconded resolutions and made quite clever speeches at political gatherings in his own county, Perthshire. Indeed, politics was his hobby, and with money at his command and influence in high quarters, there was no reason why he should not, within the next few years, gain a seat in the house. With Sir Henry Hayburn he often had long and serious chats. The brilliant politician, whose career had so suddenly and tragically been cut short, gave him much good advice, pointing out the special questions he should study in order to become an authority. This is the age of specializing, and in politics it is just as essential to be a specialist as it is in the medical, legal, or any other profession. In a few days the young man was returning to his dingy chambers in the temple, to pore again over those moldy tomes of law. Therefore, almost daily he ran over to Glencardine, to chat with the blind baronet, and to have quiet walks with the sweet girl who looked so dainty in her fresh white frocks, and whose warm kisses were so soft and caressing. Surely no pair, even in the bygone days of night and dame, the days of real romance, were more devoted to each other. With satisfaction he saw that Gabrielle's apparent indifference had now worn off. It had been but the mask of a woman's whim, and as such he treated it. One afternoon, after tea out on the lawn, they were walking together by the bypath to the lodge in order to meet Lady Hayburn, who had gone into the village to visit a bedridden old lady. Hand in hand they were strolling, for on the morrow he was going south, and would probably be absent for some months. The girl had allowed herself to remain in her lover's arms in one long kiss of perfect ecstasy. Then, with a sigh of regret, she had held his hand and gone forward again without a word. When Walter had left the son of her young life, would have set for, after all, it was not exactly exciting to be the eyes and ears of a man who was blind. And there was always at her side that man whom she hated, and who, she knew, was her bitterest foe, James Flockhart. Of late her father seemed to have taken him strangely into his confidence. Why, she could not tell. A sudden change of front on the baronet's part was unusual, but as she watched with sinking heart, she could not conceal from herself the fact that Flockhart now exercised considerable influence over her father, an influence which in some matters had already proved to be greater than her own. It was of this man Walter spoke. I have a regret, dearest, nay, more than a regret, a fear, in leaving you here alone, he exclaimed in a low, distinct voice gazing into the blue fathomless depths of those eyes so very dear to him a fear why 
she asked in some surprise, returning his look. Because of that man, your mother's friend, he said. Recently have heard some curious tales concerning him. I really wonder why Sir Henry still retains him as his guest. Why need we speak of him? She exclaimed quickly, for the subject was distasteful. Because I wish you to be forewarned, he said in a serious voice. That man is no fitting companion for you. His past is too well known to a certain circle. His past? she echoed. What have you discovered concerning him? Her companion did not answer for a few moments. How could he tell her all that he had heard? His desire was to warn her, yet he could not relate to her the allegations made by certain persons against Flockhart. Gabrielle, he said, all that I have heard tends to show that his friendship for you and for your father is false. Therefore avoid him, beware of him. I, I know, she faltered, lowering her eyes. I felt that was the case all along, yet I, yet what? He asked. I mean, I want you to promise me one thing, Walter, she said quickly. You love me, do you not? Love you, my own darling. How can you ask such a question? You surely know that I do. Then if you really love me, you will make me a promise. Of what? Only one thing, one little thing. She said in a low, earnest voice, looking straight into his eyes. If, if that man ever makes an allegation against me, you won't believe him? An allegation? Why, darling, what allegation could such a man ever make against you? He is my enemy, she remarked simply. I know that, but what charge could he bring against you? Why, if he even dared to utter a single word against you, I, I'd wring the ruffian's neck. But if he did, Walter, you wouldn't believe him, would you? Of course I wouldn't. Not, not if the charge he made against me was a terrible one? A, a disgraceful one? she asked in a strained voice after a brief and painful pause. Why, dearest, he cried, what is the matter? You are really not yourself today. You seem to be filled with a graver apprehension even than I am. What does it mean? Tell me. It means, Walter, that the man is Lady Hayburn's friend, hence he is my enemy. And what need you fear when you have me as your friend? I do not fear if you will still remain my friend, always, in face of any allegation he makes. I love you, darling. Surely that's sufficient guarantee of my friendship. Yes, she responded, raising her white troubled face to his, while he bent and kissed her again on the lips. I know that I am yours, my own well-beloved, as, and as yours, I will not fear. That's right, he exclaimed, endeavoring to smile. Cheer up. I don't like to see you on this last day downhearted and apprehensive like this. I am not so without cause. Then what is the cause? he demanded. Surely you can repose confidence in me. Again she was silent. Above them the wind stirred the leaves, and through the high bracken a rabbit scuttled at their feet. They were alone, and she stood again locked in her lover's fond embrace. You have told me yourself that man Flockhart is my enemy, she said in a low voice. But what action of his can you fear? Surely you should be forearmed against any evil he may be plotting. Tell me the truth, and I will go myself to your father and denounce the fellow before his face. Ah, oh, no, she cried, full of quick apprehension. Never think of doing that, Walter. Why, am I not your friend? Such a course would only bring his wrath down upon my head. He would retaliate quickly, and I alone would suffer. But, my dear Gabrielle, he exclaimed, you really speak in enigmas. Whatever can you fear from a man who is known to be a blackguard? 
whom i could now at this very moment expose in such a manner that he would never dare to set foot in perthshire again such a course would be most injudicious i assure you his ruin would mean it would mean my own i don't follow you ah because you do not know my secret you your secret the young man gasped staring at her yet still holding her trembling form in his strong arms why what do you mean what secret i-i cannot tell you she exclaimed in a hard mechanical voice looking straight before her but you must he protested i-i asked you walter to make me a promise she said her voice broken by emotion a promise that for the sake of the love you bear for me you will not believe that man that you will disregard any allegation against me and i promise on one condition darling that you tell me in confidence what i as your future husband have a just right to know the nature of this secret of yours ah oh, no she cried unable longer to restrain her tears and burying her pale beautiful face upon his arm i i was foolish to have spoken of it she sobbed brokenly i ought to have kept it to myself it is it's the one thing i can never reveal to you to you of all men End of chapter 16